Welcome to another inspirational My Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Julie Davidson. To find out more about My Church, visit mychurchcanada.com. All right, the message title here that I made up 20 minutes ago, 25 minutes ago, is uh, what is it again? Balconies and battlefields. Balconies and battlefields. We we have options, don't we, in life? And uh, if we look at the story of David, we're in a, a great series. Like, are you loving this series? I'm loving this series. I'm just like, I'm taking every note. Well, not really, but I'm, I'm, I'm listening really intently. And I'm, I'm fully engaged because I feel like I'm getting to witness my husband share from a place that I've watched him live. And uh, there's something really profound to witness close up the journey but then to see them come through the other side and now bring so much wisdom and and truly help for people out of, you know, the story that we've walked. And so it's been so profound and I believe empowering. And that's our heart is to empower you, to empower a generation, which if you're alive right now, you are a generation. We represent many generations in this room, but we're alive and breathing for such a time as this, and we all have marching orders for how to live this life, this season, this time. And I just believe we're being empowered right now with great wisdom of how to, to walk into your God dream and God destiny, but how to carry it well, and, and where, where from we operate. How we do not operate for something, but we operate from a revelation of knowing who's and who we are. In Christ, therefore we go and we conquer. So he's been kind of talking around, you know, like, why, what are you, the motivations of the heart? Why, why do you want to go and become and do and overcome all of these obstacles and become the man or the woman of God that he's truly called you to be? And I think it's been really interesting, but I'm going to kind of talk a little bit around what happens when you begin to walk in your God calling. You've stepped into it, and uh, you've started from the right foot. You've started from this place of, God, I love you. I just want to serve you. I've fallen so in love with God that... My heart now is moved towards the things of God. So you start to walk in that God-given identity and calling an assignment, okay? So there's identity, that's who you are, that's who you be. And then there's an assignment. Do we all know there's an assignment on your life? There's something so unique. It's, it's, um, it's personal to you. And as we begin to walk out our God-given assignment, It's interesting what can happen through maturity, through seasons, through growing up, as you walk it out. So we're going to kind of talk around this, what happens when you start to walk in it. And how do you continue to be found like David was found on the battlefield, wasn't he? He was found right there, like so excited. First he was anointed. This is what Caleb talked about, I believe, last weekend. The anointing, how the the father was like, no. I'm not interested in, in you. I've got all these other, you know, prime sons that are strong, that are, you know, rugged, that are truly, obviously leaders. And so when the, the man came to anoint the next king, he didn't even consider David. He left him in a backfield. So we talked around that. That was interesting, wasn't it? Many of us, I've sat here going, wow, there's times and seasons where I felt that way. And how do you maintain a posture of, I'm still called? Like, I'm still loved. I'm still the beloved of God. Well, David did that because he had such a a reservoir and a resource in God already. It didn't matter that that his dad overlooked him. It didn't matter that he was found in the field. He didn't know there was a party. He, I'm sure he was even disengaged from what was happening outside of his time with the Lord on the, in the field amongst, you know, his father's sheep, happy to faithfully serve his dad. But this is what happens. He goes and he, he takes that, you know, feedback from his dad. He gets anointed and he remains faithful. 
How cool is that? Like, and he didn't step into, you know, the palace. He didn't go from a field to, to king, kingship and reigning. There was a process, wasn't there? But he remained faithful in that process. He was like, gosh, I, I love where I am. I'm, I'm content where I am. I understand, God, there's a, there's a process to a promise. And so he committed himself to that. And where did he find himself but going to feed his brothers while they were, you know, with Goliath, who was kind of coming out every day, and they were there, like, trying to fight, trying to get on the battlefield. But they were so intimidated by this giant that all they did was, you know, shake in their boots. Like, oh, gosh, like, he's hurling all of these threats, and he's saying all these things about our people, like, and about our God, like, Gosh, I can't even go out there to, to face him. But David comes with some sandwiches because he's faithful. He's kept his heart right in the process. And this is, this is the, the dilemma, right? When people overlook you and when people miss what's on you and when you get the rejection or the accusation, you know, there's rejection, there's accusation. It's like the two very different things. But gosh, it can rip at your at your self-esteem, at, at knowing like, oh God, you're for me, who can be against me? You've gotta do that work. And he did that work and he stayed faithful to serving his father. It was his father who said, go feed them some sandwiches. It's like, dad, did you not see? I'm anointed to be king and still you just trust me with sandwiches? Like you're still not sending me with my older brothers to fight this Goliath? Like, why aren't I out there on the battlefield? Like, do you not know? Like, okay, I might not be like in the gym like every day and I might not look like my older brother, but I'm anointed. Do you not see it yet? But okay, I don't care. I'll carry the sandwiches. If that's what you see, if that's what you entrust me with, I'm happy to serve there. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna fight my way onto the field if it's not my time. How many know? Like the, the right thing at the wrong time, the God assignment in the wrong season can break you. And so I think it's the wisdom of God that he just gave him some sandwiches. But what, what did the sandwiches bring him to? It brought him to the battlefield. And many of you in this room, like I want to speak to some young people here this morning. You might be, feel like, gosh, I just have sandwiches. Like, do you not see what I can do? Like, have you not seen? Like, I've done more than sandwiches, but you keep giving me sandwiches. But how many know it's, it's when you're faithful in the season that you're in, it'll, it'll bring you before kings. When you're faithful with the little, it's, it's be found faithful. And David was. Like, he had such a stunning heart after God. And so it brought him before Goliath. And what does he hear? He's like coming out like, you know, shouting all of these threats. And David's like, not on my watch. And he steps out there and you uncircumcised Philistine, like I'm going to get you. I'm going to hunt you down. And he does. And he cuts off his head. I always leave that part out when I'm telling my kids this story. That's a little, that's maybe like five years from now. But wow, like he like defeats Goliath. It gets the attention of Saul. Are we still with me? Like still with me? We're here, okay? Saul is like, well, that's interesting. Like everyone else needed all the gear and all the stuff. And this guy overcomes the giant with something in his pocket. Wow. Wow. How cool is that? That he didn't need all the stuff. He didn't need all the things that people wanted to put on him for the God assignment in him. And that's something you need to lean into here this morning because people will try to say, do it like this, say it like that, move like this. Oh yeah, oh, you, that's how you raise your kids. Well, I raise my kids like this. I think, have you read this book, that book? It's like, it's okay. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna parent, I'm gonna mother my way. I'm gonna do it, you know, I believe God's put these kids in my family. I'm gonna raise them like, you know, like we need to do this in all kinds of spheres. When it comes to your marriage and relationship, like, oh gosh, like they seem, their love languages really line up and ours don't seem to really line up. Like, I, you should say things like that to me. And he's like, like, I, I'm not a words guy. You're like, well, you should be. It's like, no, like, figure it out. <laughs> Love each other. Like, you're too, you're not, it's not the same combination. It's going to look different. It's like, learn to battle in your field and stop comparing your fields and how people do it. It's like, do it like you do it and figure it out. Stay in your lane. 
Okay, so he just overcomes this giant, like, wow, what authority. What a God confidence this David had to just step right out there. So he welcomes him in, and he goes, hey, you're going to serve me, and he serves Saul, like, Wow, what a guy. Like, this is, the jo- this is the job that you once had, and you're no longer there because the boss was that guy. You know, or it was that girl. And you were like, gosh, I can't serve a person like you. Like, this is intense. But David, again, his heart, so pure, so after God, so understanding the season and the process. He was faithful to serve Saul. And he didn't take advantage of him when he could. And even when he just cut a corner, he was like, oh, God, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm so, like, he was so sensitive to the leading of, of, of God that he just, If he ever did step out of line, he stepped right back in. And I love that. I love that about David because he's a real example. It's like, oh, shoot, I messed it up. Recalibrating, you know. He recalibrated himself quickly and got himself back in line with God's best for his life. But then we pick up here, and this is where it gets interesting. And this isn't a message that feels nice to deliver, to be quite honest. It's one of those messages where it's like, okay, guys, like, cool, but I'm excited to deliver it because it's a word that we need, and I don't come to church to be like, oh, that was so fun. I come because I need to be equipped and empowered for my life with tools, with resources, because it is tough out there. There's stuff that comes at my life where I'm like, gosh, how do I, what do I, what do I do with, for that? Like, I need, a, I need a tool. I need a way out. I need a way through. And this word is going to bring that to you. I pray that it does. David now, after all of this, this incredible story, this incredible set-apartness from God for the purpose that he had, it was beautiful, But wow, we come to an interesting place in the story. In 2 Samuel 11, 1 to 5, we can throw it up on the screens. It says, in the spring at the time when kings will go off to war. At the time when kings go to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and, wow, why, what version are we in? Like, King James version, tough to read. I like, oh, besieged. That's not bad. Sorry, guys. I did go to school. Okay, besieged, rubba. That's cool. Anybody pregnant? Hey, you've got two girls. Rubba, rubba. Um, But David (laughs) remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around the roof of the palace. Here he is on his balcony walking around the roof. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Uriah, okay, so where is Uriah? He is out on the battlefield. He is one of David's mighty men. And he's out there fighting. And where's David? Right, he's on the balcony looking at his man's wife. Interesting. Next. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she's purifying herself from the, okay, interesting. Then she, wow. I feel like you're getting the unedited version. (laughs) TMI, anybody? (laughs) Okay. Then she went back (laughs) home. Oh, gosh. I mean, we're all above, like, 12 here. It's fine. Okay. So this is what happens. Okay, so let's think about this. David. Let's remember David. Like, think about David's history. Would you expect when you see this, like, little, like, excited guy, you know, on the field who's like, yeah, I'm going to fight Goliath. Like, I don't need anything. I got some, like, pebbles in my pocket, you know. He's so pumped. He's so excited. He's like, get me out on that field. His brothers are like, oh, gosh, like, I'm so scared. And he's like, I'll take him. Watch me. You know, watch me whip. Watch me nanning. He's, like, so excited. He gets out there on that field, and he takes on Goliath. Can you imagine if you told David 
in this season of his life. Okay, yeah, wow, what a moment. But a couple seasons from now, this is what you're going to do. You're going to send your men, actually, out on the field. You're going to be a little bit like your older brothers that you couldn't imagine. While you're like, what are you doing? Get out there. Like, come on. And they've got all the gear, all the stuff. He's like, get out there. I need some rocks. And now he's, you're going to soon be the brothers. You're going to trade places for a season because life's going to happen to you. And you're going to be found on the balcony. And you're going to send your men that you love and lead to the front lines while you hang back. At a time when kings go to war, David, you just, you won't. You won't go to war. You look at David's, I just, I can't imagine when I look at young David who was anointed to be king and who then went on to serve so faithfully Saul and, and overcome all of these, all of the chapters, all of his story thus far, and then we're here. It's like, I don't know if you read that. I love David. Like we read the Psalms of, of David, the words of David at some of our most influential moments in life at weddings or at funerals or a birthday card from Kat and Brock yesterday to my son. It was, it was Psalm 139. It's like we declared these, the words of David over our lives and we go to them when we're in deep pain or trauma or tragedy. We, we scour over and consume the Psalms. It's like my heart goes out to David. I'm like, no. Like, no, David, like, why? Like, gosh. And a heart of compassion is moved towards him to go, why? Why didn't you go to the battlefield? And I can't help but, but reflect upon myself and go back to a time where I was in Australia and I was going to Bible college at Hillsong, Hillsong College and I was 18, 19 years old, and I remember being asked, I was there for the worship stream, and I mean, half of my class was there to marry Joel Houston. That was not my personal dream or vision. I was like, dude needs to cut his hair. I'm not into that. But a lot of the girls were, but I was, I was there. I, I was just like, I felt like I had a call, an assignment on my life. And at that time, all I saw of the picture was, was worship, and I thought, oh, maybe songwriting and that kind of thing. And so my dream was to be V, was to lead, was to get involved, you know, in the teams. I was on the choir, all that. And I remember being asked to sing with a piano player, like an acoustic set in the lobby after Powerhouse, our, our young adults uh, gathering. And I was honored, but I was terrified. Up to this point, I hadn't done anything public, and I was kind of like hidden in this season. It would be like a winter season, if you will. I love how it says, in the spring, when kings go to war. Kings didn't go to war, fall, winter. You know, like there was a season to battle. And I think that's very significant because there's seasons, isn't there? There's seasons with God. There's seasons naturally. I always go, okay, you, you like created this world to function in, in a certain kind of pattern. And it goes, you know, spring, uh, what, is it, what does it do? Winter, spring, summer, fall. <laughs> Pray for me. Um, but he created it to move in this kind of way. And I always go, there's got to be, God, you must work like that in my life. I must go, I must walk through winters with you and then springs with you and summers with you and falls with you. Like there's a need for the seasons, isn't there? For everything to work and to have its order. And so in this season of my life, I was very much in a winter season, which means this, it's a season where God hides you. And he covers you. And he allows you to be in this like kind of cocoon type season where he begins to deal with the stuff of your heart. And he goes to work on that inner stuff of your life so that when spring comes and you begin to bear fruit or there begins to be noticeable fruit where it's no longer fruit within the hidden places, people start to point and go, wow, don't you, did you lose weight? You're like, I've been doing this for a year. 
oh, like, finally. <laughs> Isn't that true? We do some work that nobody's, and then they begin to see it, and it, it does, it feels great, but there's, there's time and season, okay? And so my season was hiddenness. It was winter. I was happy to not be, like, out on the front lines like David. I was happy to be in the field. But I was shoved out into the lobby, and I remember singing and, and sitting and standing and not knowing, like, how to hold my hands, like, uh, like, what do I do? Like, do I do the Darlene? But it didn't feel right because it was, like, cover songs. <laughs> That's all I knew. She was there at the time when I was in school. And I, I was just like, what am I doing? I felt so vulnerable, so exposed. I felt so not ready to, like, be out there that literally as soon as we finished our last song, I didn't even say goodbye to my piano player and the guitarist. I just, I just ran. And I ran to the room that I knew the most. I ran to the rehearsal room with a piano, and I shut the door. I was still in the building, but I was alone. I remember shutting the door and jumping on the piano, and I just sat there, and I just played, and I just sang to God. I sang a song that nobody heard, and I just closed myself off with the Lord so that I could be almost like replenished. It felt like it was too soon, and nobody understood it, but I said, I don't want to do that again, and people would say, are you running? Like, are you, like, didn't you come here? I remember being on the phone with my parents, but babe, like, we sent you there to, like, to, this is why you're in the worship stream. Like, is this not what you want to do? Like, are we wasting all of our money? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm like, no, like, I know this is my, my assignment. I know that God has called me to build his church. I know all these things, but I know my season. I know my season with God right now, and I'm, I'm content to not be on the front line. But there comes a time, and there comes a season. How many know if I kept doing that, imagine right now, it's like you're going to, you're going to, your husband's throwing up right now, and you're going to go and preach. I'm like, no. <laughs> You'd be like, it's okay, cool. Like, I'm sure Colin and other people would take it, and it'd be fantastic. But there comes a time where you can no longer run away and hide yourself in God. You know, it's like, well, no, actually, like, you got to come and, like, bring what's on your life. Now it, it changes. There's a grace period. There's a grace season of the hiddenness season. And, yes, will these seasons come and go and come? Yes, you will go through seasons like this while still walking and operating in your assignment. But it looks different. We go through winter. Do I go through winters? We go through winters. I go through them like it's reciprocal. I do. There's times of reflection and whatever, and it looks different, and we shift some things, and we carry some things different, and we might not be as active as, as we are in spring and summer seasons. I might not be jumping on a plane, going here and there and everywhere, and bringing messages and all of that. It looks different, but it doesn't mean that I step out of my God calling an assignment. We just adjust. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, it's, it's being so aware of your season with God. Some of you are in this room and you're like, I, I relate to the girl who's running away to the rehearsal room. That's me. And I actually need to be in the rehearsal room. I actually need to close the door and be alone with God. I, I, I know, and, and only you and God can know that. Okay, but I was still planted in a church. I was still showing up to rehearsals. I was still in the choir. I was still showing up. I was still going to connect group, even though we watched the OC from time to time. But I was there. I was, showing, I was still showing up to my life, but I knew, I knew what I was to do in that season. So, okay, I hope this is helping you. Next, we go to, to David. He is, okay, so he's sending all of these people out. He's found on the, on the balcony, not on the battlefield. Do you know why I listened to this message? Actually, it's coming a lot from Havila Cunnington's message. And she said, you know, many of us would say, you know, with David, it's, it's because, you know, he knew the battlefield. 
he was out on the battlefield and, and he took a couple hits or, you know, he got shot. And that happens, doesn't it? In your, in your young age, when you're excited like David with the pebbles in your pocket, you're like, I'm pumped. Like, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, you know? And then you get out there and you get, you get your chance and you go on the front lines. You're like, yeah, like you start that business. Or you start, or you, you get in a role that is your dream role. You, you get the promotion, you get the promotion, you get the promotion, and you get there, and you're like, huh, like, I've arrived, I'm here. I, I thought I'd be here 10 years from now, and I'm here now. Wow, like, how amazing is this? You get there, but then you get, like, some feedback from your boss, or you're now more seen. You have more influence. And so more people have comments about your life or about your work or about what you just said. And you start to go, I don't know if I want, I, can I get a demotion? Like, I feel like it was better down there. Like, that's nice. Like, nobody's making comments about that guy. Like, I liked being that guy. Now that I think about it, you know, you start to wish that you could detract and, and go backwards. But only from strength to strength, from glory to glory. We must know how to carry it, though. But David here, I, I feel like what it is with David is, yeah, sure, I'm sure he got some shots. I'm sure he took a few hits. We know that. Just read his story. He, he, he bore a couple stripes. He had a couple scars and battle wounds from being on the front line. But I believe what happens to you and I, gosh, I, I so resonate when Caleb was talking about the caving season, do you remember that? Like he caved. It was Elisha or Elijah? I always get it messed up. Ja. I always go, J came before S. That's how I know the order in the Bible. It's so annoying that Elijah anointed Elisha. Like how annoying is that? Anyway. Okay, so when Elijah caved, thank you, Colin. When he caved. He was, it said he was running away from, from Jezebel. He was like, I'm going to get your head. He just overcame. All, like he like slaughtered an army. And here he is hiding in a cave from Jezebel, from a woman. He's a man. Like I'm, he's, let's just science, okay? Like muscle mass. Like what is he afraid of? It's kind of like, Elijah, what are you doing? But he was not running from, like, for his life, he was running from it. He was like, I'm just going to preserve myself. Preservation mode, hibernation mode, isolation. It's like, oh gosh, I believe I see a correlation between David and Elijah in this moment. Don't you see it? Because it's like there's a battle. And we were born, if, if I'm sorry to bring the news, but you truly were born into a battle. But you're also made for the battle. So you were born into this battle between like darkness and light. It's not good and bad. It's darkness and light. And you're born into it. And it's like, I'm sorry, but that's just how this thing works. Okay? And so you're born into this and we can run from it and go, somebody else do it. <laughs> and hide in your little cave or on your balcony. And, and go, somebody else go for me. Somebody else bring what I'm to bring to the world. But I love that, that quote. I don't know who said it, but it said your very existence, your very, the, the fact that you exist was a prophetic word from heaven that declared that the world, the planet, the generation needed you right now. It was like, I must send her out now. I must send him out now. Like, the world needs her. The world needs her spirit, needs her gifting, needs her way of thinking, needs her passion. The world needs her now. And so God created you and formed you in those hidden places. In the hidden places, he formed you. And he put you all together in your mother's womb, and then he sent you out because it's a prophetic sign. So like walk in such a way with that revelation. But if we do not have that revelation or if that gets shaken in the seasons and in time and in going through some stuff, we can like Elijah and David be found on a balcony or in a cave. And if he's running from his life, do you not think maybe he's struggling going, I don't know, like, I think it's actually not so much about fear of the battle 
as much as it's about, do I still have something to bring? Does it still matter? Like, does it matter? When you look at David as a young, as a young, truly a young boy, showing up with those sandwiches and like, move over, like, get out the way. Like, here I come. I see in Saul a spirit that knows who he is in God. Because what does he shout back? He goes, you will not speak about my God in that way, right? Like he was like in, like he was indignant. He was like, I'm going to mess you up. You, you don't know the God that you're talking about because I know the God that you're shouting threats at. And I know he's bigger. He's stronger. He's already on the victory side, okay? So it's kind of like the Chiefs when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. I, I had a moment where I watched the, you know, they, they turned it right around, right near the end. And yes, I watched the Super Bowl. I can tell some of you are like, okay, okay. I did, and I was excited, because what happened was, they were like, it was pretty close, and then all of a sudden, boom, it turns around. I don't know what happened. Somebody ran with, like, something, and then they, in their tight little pants, and they're like, raw, and then the numbers went up, and I was like, oh, that's how you do it. (laughs) I can do that. (laughs) But, and then it just kind of took off, and I'm like, I said to Kayla, I'm like, are they winning? Like, is this good? Like, is this going to, like, he's like, oh, yeah. Like, they went up, like, 15 points. Is that right? 15? 13? 12? 11? 10? <laughs> and then the next, and then what happened, they didn't even win yet. But you saw the Chiefs and all of the crowd that was there for the Chiefs. And they, before it was called and before the game was over, what happened? The Chiefs in Kansas City began to party in the city and on the streets and in that dome. They all started to go, woo! Like, let's tell we got this in the bag. Like, we're the winners. Like, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Like, they were so excited. And I said to Caleb, I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, that's what we should be like. Like, that's how, that's how we ought to get out on the field. That's how we ought to play this game. That's how we b- must go out into the world, into our cars and into the streets and into cafes and into our workplaces and on this platform and whatever platform God has graced you with. That's how we ought to go. Knowing, gosh, I'm already surrounded by a great crowd of many witnesses who are shouting triumphantly because they know that we are on the winning side, and we just got to walk it out. But we can begin to cave in seasons where we begin to listen to the voices that are not God. When we listen to the shouts of like a Jezebel that would shout at you and cause you to cave and go, right, like, what do I have to bring? Like, I, right, I'm, I, you start to operate like the older brothers, hiding from the giant, afraid to face them off, Forgetting who you were as a young man or a young woman who maybe, yes, maybe you didn't have a revelation of hurt and pain and all of those things that come with living some years. But we ought not to let go of this fight and this resilience like David had to show up and find yourself on the battlefield. So I want to do a little bit of work actually here this morning. We're going to have some moments where we're going to pray, and I hope our ministry team is ready. I know you're always ready, but you're in here somewhere. And uh, in, a, in the next couple of minutes, we're, we're going to stand again, and we're going to sing and, and just create some space because what I know about walking with God in my own life in this area is there's some work to do. Hey, when we're found in a cave and when we're found like hiding from from life, like hiding from the big bad giant (laughs) that is waiting for us out there. I don't know if you're like me, but when I have gone through a season that's difficult, my first inclination is to not run back to the place where I got shot. It's like, oh gosh, it's, you have an understanding now. You have an understanding of what it means to stand on the front lines while also your, your person your, has been also assaulted at the same time. 
So it's not just a revelation of what it means to be called to be a part of this army of God. And that's what we are. If we can remind ourselves, Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, I believe I gave that to you. It talks about who I am and who we are, what the church is. It says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. That's a mouthful. It gave us a lot of stuff. Like we're pretty well equipped. Yes? Okay. We got lots going for us. Next. Um, to equip his people for works. To equip. Okay. To equip. Let's like not just go, oh, to equip. Boop. No. To equip. Okay. I need to be equipped. I didn't know I was in a war. You're in a war. You need to be equipped. Some of you are like, well, I don't have like, what do you mean? Tools and like swords and like, am I fighting something? Yes. Yes. We are called to fight, you know, for people's freedom. We're called to fight for healing. We are called to fight for people who are in darkness. We're called to push back the darkness. We're called to be salt and light. What does salt do? I listened to some interview of Sean Bowles interviewing somebody, and he was talking about, you know, salt. Everyone's like, it adds the flavor. <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. We're, the church is flavorful, okay? I'll give us that. But they brought a different point. Salt preserves. And she's in the industry in Hollywood, and she's been in it for 34 years, and she started a prayer movement. This woman, who's a producer, she started a prayer movement for uh, people in Hollywood just to, you know, create a space. It, it truly was just a prayer meeting in her house. And it, it grew and grew and grew to 150 people. This is 30 years ago, 34 years ago, my, me years ago. <laughs> um, they grew and grew and grew to the point where they had to start renting out um, big rooms, like major, like almost like a church gathering, but it was prayer. It's just prayer. And they just gathered to pray. And now it's a whole um, ministry really where she now will send out. There's people who are now around the world going, I want to be a part of this. I believe in, in praying for Hollywood, for the industry and praying for the people. And she said, my heart was not to move Hollywood towards the church. Like, let's get him in the church. No, no, no. She said, my heart around this prayer movement was to move the heart of the church towards Hollywood. Because it was at a time where it was like, don't go into a theater. Do you remember that? Don't go into, you'll, you'll catch on fire, you know. If you find yourself in a theater, wait for the flames. It was like, what? Like, gosh. But she said, you know, I, I just wanted to move their hearts towards knowing these are people. These are stories. These are marriages. These are... They, they just don't know God, and, and so they're living from there. Like, let's, let's pray for them. So now it's like this major movement where if there's an affair that goes out in the public, so-and-so and so-and-so, you know, boom, she goes, all right, let's pray for their marriage. Let's pray that forgiveness just mothers the, the, the wife and the husband, whatever's going on, like, let's just pray healing in Jesus' name. And so there's all kinds of people. Why am I telling you this? Because there's like there's stuff that you are you're called to create. I, I share it that it might stir you up to go, okay, like I'm in an industry that maybe there's not a whole lot of, of light in this industry, but you're there to to preserve. So she says now that people are in this movement, what happens is they're, you know, they're either directing or they're they're writing scripts or they're acting in roles. It's, it's people in this industry. And she said, now we have seen so many, you know, shows, movies, story scenes. The person is in the room, you know, in going, well, what should happen in this scene? And they go, let's leave that scene out of the story. Okay. Like, let's tell it a little bit differently. And she said, it's amazing. She said, the fact that there is salt and light in that writer's room, it's preserved, it's actually slowing down. You know, the darkness wants to come in and we as Christians, as believers, as lovers of Jesus and people, we are called to be in our spheres of influence, to preserve, to slow down and to, to bring some life and, and light into our spheres of influence. But you know, when we hide and when we run away and when we cave, 
And when we stop bringing who we are to our place of influence, another place of influence is your marriage. That's a, that is a battlefield. I don't know if you're like, like, hello, okay, if you are married in this place and you're like, a battlefield, what? I'm still on a honeymoon. Stand up and we will attack you right now. Okay, you are not welcome in this place. Your marriage, nor is it when you're like, uh, like yeah, it's a battlefield, it's like a mess, it's a battlefield. No, 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 no. Okay, your, your marriage, you're called to fight for your marriage, to fight for your man, to, to fight for your woman, to ensure that they step into all that God has for them. It's like we can do our marriage on the balcony. You can flirt with the checkout counter at Loblaws Sky. You can try to get the attention of the men at work. You can do all kinds of things. You can look up your exes on Facebook and Instagram because we can do that now. You can, you can do marriage like that. You can, we have a choice. Balconies, battlefields. Or we can actually choose to battle it out and not hide from, our, from what's going on in us and in our marriages. We can go, Katie, it's kind of nice to be distracted or, or, or I could fight, I could fight for him. I could, I could get over my unforgiveness and I could, I could show up, I could love him. I could declare life over him. And on this family day weekend, I believe this is integral for us, okay? All the covenant relationships, we gotta choose. We must choose to show up to the front line of our marriages and go, I'm gonna fight it out. I'm not going anywhere. I love you no matter what. I know that season was hard, but I'm here, I'm still here. Let's fight this out. I'm on the battlefield, I'm not gonna hide. You know, when it comes to raising your kids, it's like we can raise our kids from a balcony. We can, we can kind of check out and, and not be present and lean in. We, we can. We can parent in such a way where we're on a balcony, not engaged, just dealing with the stuff of our internal life. Ever been in a season like that where it's like a year goes by and your your kids are all a year older and you're like, was I like was I there? Like you look back at photos and you're like, was I? Th-? I've been in seasons like that, so distracted by the stuff that was going on around our lives that it just, it ate me up inside that I was unable to engage and truly be present with my kids. Does that mean I go and I cave and I cry and I'm like, no, I go, right? I'm in uh, the cave. I'm gonna go back to the battlefield here and fight for my kids, fight to lean into them, be present with them and have good success, like what Caleb was talking about last weekend. Good success to see my children raised up, loving family, loving Jesus, loving church, all these things. There's balconies and battlefields, your workplace. They say in your mid-30s is your most um, disengaged season in, in your career. And I know we have a lot of people here in their 30s, like 30s, late 20s to to basically your whole 30s and uh, you can kind of just coast and if you're in this room and you're like I've been coasting I've kind of been like sitting in my role I'm kind of bored I'm kind of like oh gosh I'm believing that you're no longer going to sit on the balcony but there's going to be a shift happen for you that you'll recognize maybe like that woman I'm in this industry there's more to this industry like there's the there's the God calling the God the salt and light that you bring to it it's like God give me give me ideas give me creative um, uh, you know solutions to things that I wouldn't just exist and sit in a seat and at a computer or with my teams and just like go through the day but how can I like truly make the best of this season in my career how can I be a blessing to my to my leader to my boss like how can I come and bring creative expression and and ideas to the table instead of letting everybody else think of like you know like show up because the word of God it says in Psalm 90 in Psalm 90 it says uh, to number your days like teach me God Teach me, God, to number my days that I might gain. What do you gain? As you, as you number your days, as you consider every day a blessing and a gift, every breath is a, is a gift. Every day 
that you wake up in the morning with your, you know, able to, to function and, and be and exist. Help me, help me, Holy Spirit, to number this day so that I might gain a heart of wisdom, so I might live every season fully alive and fully awake to God, fully awake to my God assignment. Because I believe that there are some that are, you're in the balcony right now in this season, and I sense the Holy Spirit calling you out of hiding, saying, okay, like, you had a winter season. It's, it's, not, it's spring, and spring is coming, okay? Spring is coming in the natural, and I believe our house is about to move into a spring season. I just declare that. I prophesy that over this house, that this house is to move into a spring season. I'm grateful for winters. I'm grateful for what God does in the hiddenness. He exposes the branches. He exposes the foundations. He lets us see it, but then he brings beautiful fruit from it because we've addressed some things. But you know what? I believe that many of you need to come out of hiding. Come off the balcony. It doesn't, it doesn't lead to anywhere good, okay? Balconies never lead to anywhere good. You were created for the battlefield. You're born into war, born into a battle, but you were made for it. David didn't know that actually he was gonna be the safest, the safest on the battlefield. David thought, oh, no, no, no. Everyone else, go. I'm just, I'm gonna, I just need a minute. I, I, I can't, I can't fight. I, I'm tired. Like, you guys go and do, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just be safe, like here, like, huh. And then he finds himself with Bathsheba of all the names. He was not safe on the balcony. When we take steps away from our assignment in God, we don't step into safety. We step away. We step away from the empowerment. We step away from the equipping. We step away from all the things that God, like God made you for that place. He's like, no, no, my, my grace is in this place. My sufficiency is in this place. My covering is in this place. I put a shield around you. Though many come for you, no one will touch you. That is a God promise, okay? So why don't you stand up to your feet, join the party. You might as well. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna make a decision here this morning. Cause, uh, I don't know, I'm gonna, I can't do that. I'm not, I need a man, <laughs> man job. Um, I just, I know like, okay, I've been in a lot of church services, a lot, like from the womb and everything. And I know in moments like this, some of you, I feel it. You're standing up and you're like, here we go. This is where I make a decision to change my whole life. <laughs> and you're, automatically it's like, whoop, disengage. There is something so powerful in, in a decision, isn't there? I know there's one decision that has changed the course of my life forever. And it was not glamorous. It, I didn't have a, I didn't have you guys. Like, where were you? <laughs> but I was like so little. I was maybe four years old. And I just sat in this big old chair with my mom. And I was like, I keep hearing about Jesus. I, like, who, I, I, I want to like, I want to know him. And I invited him into my life as a young girl. And I remember that moment I walked away from the couch and I was like, it feels like I'm floating. I, I remember, I, I can go back, like I could jump in that moment. I feel it. It's, it was so real. And it was, that was a decision. That was just a choice I made in my little heart at four years old to go, Jesus, I want to know you. I welcome you into my life. And, and it's changed my whole life. Now that's salvation. But how many know that salvation then leads to a story with Jesus?
where we continue. Like it's just the beginning. We think salvation, woo, like I'm getting to heaven, yeah. But we live bound. We live enslaved to our history, to our childhood, to relationships, to all kinds of things. And, and Jesus is like, yeah, okay, I'm so, like, yeah, I came, I died so that you might have life and life more abundantly. That too. It's like, I came, I died, John 3, 16, whosoever loves the world, or Jesus loves the world, whatever, God still loves the world, there it is. That he gave his only son, that whoever believes in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then there's the John 10, 10, where it says the thief comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Do you know what life more abundantly is? It's like a life that people are like, wow, like what a life. It's that kind of life. Okay, so he came to save you, but also he's calling you into a life that looks like a life like, wow, wow life. So we begin at salvation and let's start there. If you're in this place and you say, Jesus, I don't know you, I have heard about you, but I want to know you. Every head bow, every eye closed. Let me just help to connect you to a life-giving relationship, friendship with Jesus. You're gonna say in the next couple of minutes, you're gonna say, Jesus, like I love you, I welcome you in. And what's incredible is Jesus has promised when he went to, to sit with God in heaven after he overcame death in the grave, no big deal. <laughs> he says, it's okay to his disciples who are freaking out because he was about to leave in body. He said, don't worry. Like, I'm so excited, guys. Like, this is so exciting. This has never happened before. I'm gonna leave my spirit with you. And so how cool, like everywhere you go, whether you're found in a cafe, whether you're found, at, you know, in, in a meeting amongst your peers and your, your boss and everything else, whether you're, you know, just falling asleep at night, you're, you're cutting up vegetables for the salad again, or putting away the dishes again. I'm gonna be there. I'm gonna be with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come alongside you. He's the come alongside. And he never, he, I'm, I'm never gonna leave you. You're not gonna have to chase me down. It's such a beautiful promise. And, and this morning, I wanna connect you to Jesus. And I, I'm just excited because the Holy Spirit comes. It says that he comes and he resides. He makes himself at home in your heart. I love that language. He just goes, oh, I've been so desiring to be at home with you and you at home with me. Would you allow me to connect you to this beautiful friendship with Jesus? If you're in this place, again, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to know Jesus like this, if you want to walk with him, talk with him. We hope this message blessed and encouraged you. To find out more about our church, visit mychurchcanada.com.